I think it's very important if anyone takes anything from what I am saying today, I would say that it is a connection and a communication and it's two ways. It is important that it is not just about us receiving so that we are better and that we have a better life or we're more joyful or we're, we, you know, we, 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 I, I, I. It is a communication and a connection with all that is and that thread that we're a part of something greater. Hello, I'm Julie Kroll. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. Welcome. Your journey of conscious evolution continues right here, right now. 30 years ago, something interesting happened. I remember it well. The extraordinary success of one book stunned the publishing world. Never before had a book by an unknown first-time author published by an obscure publishing house demand so much attention and become a long-standing bestseller. I remember the book well because it was the first time I had read about someone else's near-death experience. People have been captivated with spiritual stories forever. We're enamored by near-death experiences and other non-ordinary states of consciousness. We love it when there's proof, when the material world confirms and validates the unexplainable, yet very real lived experience. That's what made that book such a phenomenon. Embraced by the Light was written by Betty Eady about her own near-death experience. It sold over 13 million copies and stayed on the New York Times bestseller list for more than two years, including a record 78 weeks in the number one position. So you might be wondering why I'm talking about a book 30 years ago. Well, our sacred stories are important. They're a beautiful place to start when we talk about normalizing the non-ordinary. We want to read about people's experiences. We want to learn more, to share our own stories, to talk about the experiences. And we want to understand why do people have metaphysical and mystical experiences? Well, we are blessed today to have someone who knows all about sacred stories join us. And we can talk more about this book's phenomenon, but she is also the publisher of some really important books. So I'm really happy to have her join us. I invite you to take a few conscious breaths, bring your awareness into your heart, relax and open your mind as you settle into your essential wholeness. I'm going to introduce our guest and co-host. First, my co-host, Dr. Paul Mills, is Professor of Public Health and Family Medicine at the University of California, San Diego. He has over 400 scientific publications in the fields of pharmacology, oncology, cardiology, psychoneuroimmunology, behavior medicine, and integrative health. He's the author of the book, Science, Being, and Becoming, The Spiritual Lives of Scientists. And our guest is Reverend Ariel Patricia. 
She's the founder and CEO of Sacred Stories Publishing and Media. She felt the calling to found Sacred Stories after a series of events that changed the course of her life, and we're going to ask her about that. Since then, she has been on a heart-based mission to help others tell and share their own stories of transformation to a global audience. Ariel Patricia is ordained as an interfaith minister, author of two books, and co-author of three. She is a sought-after keynote speaker and pioneer in subjects relating to evolving consciousness. Ariel, welcome to the show. Thank you, Julie. Hi, Paul. So delighted to be with you both. As I was preparing for today, I was wondering why this is the first time you've been on. We've had a relationship for so long, and I've shared so many of your authors, and I was thinking, wow, this is the first time I've had Ariel Patricia on my show. So I'm really happy to have you here, and I'm happy to have you here with Paul and this series. I think it's really important. But first, I have a traditional first question, Ariel, and this is a first question with a twist. Because in the context of sacred stories, transformational stories, and bringing the mystical into mainstream, I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you in relationship to this topic? So it's really fascinating, your opening and talking about Embraced by the Light. Because when I was pregnant on bed rest with my first child back in 1995, That was the very first spiritual book I ever read. And I was kind of blown out of the water. And there are parts of it that I still think about today. So I think think that is the perfect example of all things connected. The thread that connects all of us, the experiences that connect all of us, even if they may be different places, parts of our lives, you know, for different reasons, there is a, we are connected in all ways. There's a field that holds us. And so, yes, that is how sacred stories and all things connect. I think that's a perfect example. And I'm just so kind of like in a space right now of remembering her seeing her granddaughter dancing. You remember there's a part of the book, there's parts of the book where the child came back, you know, that spoke to the, the soul. And I will, I still remember that. And that's the power of the story. That's the power of the experience. And that's the power of the connection. I believe we all feel. Beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that. I'm going to turn this over to Paul, but I just wanted to say thank you for that, sharing that impact of, of that book on you and why I even brought that as the introduction to the show. I think that is a beautiful example. And ties so into the topic of this entire conversation and this entire series. So I'm, I'm excited to, to muse on that a little bit more. Paul. Yeah, Ariel, great to see you again. And what we were just speaking about does flow beautifully into one of the questions I have for you. Mystical experiences are our sacred stories. I heard you say that very recently and had just a deep resonance within me, knowing how important that is. You've also said that a mission of yours at Sacred Stories Publishing is to bring our mystical stories to the forefront of each of our lives. And what we were just speaking about with that book, that resonates 
how important that is because when people bring these stories forth, it begins to change us. But why is it more important than ever now that we bring our mystical stories to each other, that we begin to share them, to, to let them out of the closet, so to speak? Mm. I think it's, it's not a matter of more important as it is a matter of time. I think that our, I believe in history will show that our spirituality, the connection to the divine, our innate essence has been a part of humanity for, for eons. You know, it is something that, and even the indigenous people today still live it. It is a lived experience. It's a felt presence that we've lost a lot in the Western world in modern history. So I think it's always been an important part. It's integral to who we are in our experience. I think it's just that we're now ready for, based on the events, based on what's happening in the world, I think people realize that how we've been doing life and, and how uh, you know humanity has been evolving isn't working, that we're out of sync with our innate essence, with our own inner divinity and our connection to all. And, and, and we need to reconnect. We need to get back to that. And so by sharing these stories, it, it, it not only helps us connect with our own self, but then with each other. Is that what you're seeing with your work going forward? Not only with each other, but with, you know, the series is called Common Sentience. And sentience in the sense of obviously the larger knowing, our innate knowing. And the sentience are knowing of all living beings. Life is sentient. You know, there's a consciousness that runs through the planet through the cosmos. And so the connection, not only with other humans, but with all, with the plants, with the animals. My sacred story started with the animals, with the animals coming to me in very mystical ways. I didn't know what was happening. I was actually terrified at first, very out of my, uh, my wheelhouse. I had a, a bat come into my bedroom three different times and wake me in the middle of the night, fluttering above my face in suburbia, Connecticut. I didn't know what was happening. I was, I was, <laughs> I was terrified of bats. But it was time for me to start paying attention. The animals came as spiritual messengers to wake me up. So it's, it's everything, Paul. It's not just with other humans, which is certainly important, but it is with the living planet and the sentient being seen and unseen around us. Ariel, I'd love to hear more about your personal story, but because you're talking about the Common Sentience series right now, let's help the listeners really understand what this is, because we're bringing this forward with a lot of different topics. There's a lot of different authors. We're calling them the wisdom keepers of these books with myriad, how, what do I want to say? Ways of knowing, ways of connecting ways of hearing the wisdom. There's, there's so many different topics from the animals, like you mentioned, to angels, which we're going to have on real soon, I hope, to shaman, to the Akash, to, I mean, there, we're looking at a lot of different ways that this communication is really becoming more and more uh, it's okay, common sentience. It's becoming more common in our world today where we're hearing it, we're seeing it. Some people still go, ooh, that's woo-woo, I don't get it, I don't want to go there, or or dismiss it. 
But what we're finding is we all have our own avenue, right? We all have what we resonate with. So if someone's talking about angels, oh, I can listen to that. But you're talking about the Akash. I don't get it. I'll just, I'll just kind of distance myself from that one. So tell us about this series and what inspired you to bring together this collection of wisdom keepers and be able to tell sacred stories from so many different perspectives and vantage points. And then, yeah, how did, how did this series come to be? And they're filled with delightful stories of many, many, many people inside each and every book. Yeah. Well, it speaks to all things connected. It speaks to many paths of the mountain. It speaks to a myriad of of spiritual and religious traditions that people believe in. It speaks to taking down the boundaries, you know, the borders that we have put up physically around this in uh, around this planet and with each other based on where we see our divisions or based on where we see our commonalities of what we believe to be together. So we have siloed or segmented ourselves in so many ways on this planet and we've lost that larger connection. When my spiritual awakening, truly a remembering, started about 12 years ago, you know, I'm a forever student, so I said, I have to find out what's happening here. And I, you mentioned I'm an ordained interfaith minister. I enrolled in seminary. I wanted to learn. And I studied all different spiritual traditions, religious faiths. And, you know, it really underscored the wisdom and the beauty and the love that is the thread through all of them. Even though we may practice things differently, we may connect differently for a variety of reasons. But what was fascinating, Julie, is then when I left seminary, and I, you know, kind of moved into practice and my spiritual journey continued. I was told, you know, well, that's too spiritual or that's not how we do it or that's not this sect of spirituality or, you know, and I was like, you know, it's just one big playground here. Why can't we all play together? Why are there so many divisions even, even within the spiritual world? I was really taken back by that. So it's always been I guess my my passion or mission to take down those borders, to bring people together, to say that the divisions we're seeing are really irrelevant. We're all talking about connecting with a higher power or an inner power or all that is and how we connect. The world is a big, beautiful place. So, you know, it's kind of like picking your flavor of ice cream for me, right? It's like, could you like vanilla or do you like strawberry? It doesn't really matter. We all like ice cream. You know, we can all kind of be at the same party together. So through the years and through my relationships, working and personal with so many different spiritual teachers or religious teachers and practitioners, you know, what I found is there isn't one way is better than the other way. There isn't one way is the straighter path, right? The higher path. There are all ways the divine, he, she, you know, the universe that we can connect. And to me, that's what the most important. And the more people that can connect, you know, the better, obviously, for all of us, because, and this is why common sentience exists truly, because I know, because I've felt the divine, I felt connections with something greater than myself, and it changed me. It made me care more. 
It made me more empathetic. It made me want to walk more gently in this world and be of, of a positive contribution to something greater than myself. And I know that when others are touched by the divine or feel their inner divinity, that they also will want to change. That, that's beautiful what you were just speaking about because it really addresses one of the questions we have of this of this series, uh, Main Street Mystic, and that this question of why do people have metaphysical and mystical experiences? And you just answered part of that because they're so transformative. They give us insight into who we are and what we are, our innate divine nature and our capacity to connect with really all divinity everywhere and how that transforms our, our human life. And also what you said a moment ago was I found interesting and it had to do with your comment on spirituality in different religious settings, which also, if I may say, for me, drives home the importance of what you said that I quoted you earlier, that our mystical experiences are our sacred stories. I mean, it seems you were saying that historically a lot of spiritual traditions didn't feel comfortable hearing people share their mystical experiences. Those were kind of set aside. There are deeply spiritual story in nature, and yet we were always isolated from really sharing them in an intimate way, particularly in a spiritual setting. And if we couldn't do it there, then, well, as you said, we're isolated. We're in our little silo. And again, that's one reason I so appreciate you and your work at Sacred Stories, because you've, you've opened the gates You've given us permission to speak about it, to write books about it, and that resonance is going out. And then it gives everyone else permission. And who knows where it's going to lead as far as opening and opening and opening. It's beautiful. You know, it's really fascinating because for me, when my spiritual journey started, I was living in the Northeast, suburbia, as mainstream soccer mom as you could be, right? In a good way. But there was no spirituality. There was no, I was raised the, the, you know, the good Italian Roman Catholic girl. And, and that's what I knew. And, and I believe there's still a lot of beauty in the rituals of Catholicism. And everyone around me was like me. And then the animals started coming to me. And, you know, the bats came, the owl came, uh, you know, variety of animals. That's where my first book, they all started coming. And I started, I didn't know what was happening. And as I started opening up and understanding and studying and experiencing, I ended up really writing my first book about it. And I thought, I'm just putting it out there because it is so incredibly important. I felt that, you know, that, that, that I shared that. And I thought, I have no idea what all my friends and family and people around me are going to think, but I, I'm still going to do it. And what was so incredibly fascinating is they were fascinated and they were excited. And I had more people calling me and asking me questions and telling me about every animal or every experience that they were noticing. And they were so excited to either have an opportunity to explore it more, understand it more, have someone to talk about it with, because nobody was doing that in, you know, in, in our, our larger suburbia communities. And I realized, you know, this is truly the, our innate essence and people are ready for this. And so Paul, when you're talking about permission, people don't need permission, but people feel as if they do. They haven't, we haven't had these conversations before. 
and people are ready for them. They're ready for them. They're hungry for them. I don't even want to say it's what they need because there's an energy to the word need, but I think we need, I do think we need them. I think humanity needs them. You know, when you talk about that, I want us all to just imagine a world and a culture where we share our sacred stories openly. What would be different? It would be, it would be fun to imagine that. And I remember when I, you first introduced me to the series, Ariel, and I began booking some of the authors. And I tried, I told this story last week on the show, I tried to book one author and there was a miscommunication and it was rebooked a second time. And there was another double conflict. And it was like this, it was strange things. And that show never happened. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, wow, it was because I was to do this larger series. And the thing about this series that is going along with what you're saying is, is we've always had permission maybe to share our stories. I'm going to say maybe because there's a lot of cultures to say, no, I don't think we've had permission. I didn't feel like I had permission. And I tell a story. I told a story last week on the show about trying to share my stories with two spiritual leaders who really one shut me down directly and one just kind of looked at me and stared and walked off. But my insight, my when I when I saw this series, I wanted to bring in the scientists to help validate these experiences, to help normalize the non-ordinary states of consciousness, to bring in psychology so we understand the mystical. And so as I was talking to you about that, you said, hey, do you know Paul Mills? Oh my gosh, you need to, you know, and this series was born. But let's talk for a moment from your perspective, Ariel, how important it is for us as we're moving forward in this series, we're bringing those wisdom keepers in with different scientists who've had their own mystical experiences. And we're going to bring in some of the science and we're going to talk about it to help normalize it and maybe, maybe give our listeners a more open permission set, you know, like that, that culture, that world that we all want where we can get excited about that. It's like the opening with Betty Eady writing that book and everybody was fascinated by it, right? We want to share these stories. So talk to us about the importance of us pairing the science and how that sits with you and and what your opinion is about us bringing science and the wisdom keepers together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's wonderful. I mean, these books, this series and Common Sentience, there's 13 of them currently in the series on a variety of different topics. It's not just stories. Part one is all wisdom. It's the foundational understanding of every one of the topics. It's very important to me that the wisdom anchors the experience. I think we need, I believe we need both. We, you know, the stories are powerful and the experiences are key, but I it's very important that we have, people have an understanding of what this spiritual phenomenon is. And I believe when they have an understanding, then they can expand more. Then they can go deeper because they have the framework. So part one is all wisdom, all of the understanding, fascinating, fascinating. Every book is is different based on the topic. 
part two of the stories, including the wisdom teacher, the main author of the book, sharing their own experiences. They're, you know, not just as a teacher, but in the sacred circle sharing um, as well. And then part three is back to the wisdom. It's packed back to practices and processes. And if someone, if this resonates with someone, then they, how can they engage, become an active participant in deepening their own spirituality and connection and a higher wisdom chapter? And then let's take it to the next level. What's next? What else? So the wisdom is key, is foundational with the experience of the story. And so when you talked about bringing in the science and validating, which I think is important for many people and whatever it takes, I'm all for it. If people need validation to step into a connection with their innate divinity a little more deeply, I support it completely. So when you mentioned that about the science and why I thought about Paul is because Paul and the Paul's work with his book, Science Being and Becoming, is exactly everything we're talking about, but from a, from the perspective of the scientists, not the spiritual teachers, not the people who are experiencing the spirituality, but from the scientists who are. And I thought, this is the divine, the hand of the divine here, bringing both of these together. Well, I very much appreciate that, Ariel. Thank you regarding the book. And, and I'm also very grateful that science has evolved over the last certainly a number of years. Maybe we can go back a decade plus to being open to these ideas. Historically, science refuted the metaphysical and the mystical. And really, to be truthful, mainstream materialistic science still does. But there are many cracks in that these days. As you said, uh, for the book, I interviewed many scientists who are opening that up freely sharing their own spiritual experience, but also transforming their scientific work. And that that kind of sharing is getting at what you're saying, that it's a kind of permission because many people do rely on science to tell them, is something real or is it not real? Even in domains where science really doesn't have that kind of purview, and yet it's moving into that area. So I'm appreciating that very much. We are in the midst of uh, just such a great awakening that I think many dimensions of our societies are supporting science being one, publishing being one, your work, and, and um, this podcast will help as well. I'm going to ask this of both of you. I'm just curious here as I'm thinking about Main Street Mystics in this series, and both of you have talked about the transformative power. Like in your first question, Paul of Ariel, you asked her about that. And, and literally, Ariel, your experience was transformative. It changed your life. You were, you were an educated and a military experience, like that your life looked very different before you had the transformative experience. So let's just talk about the transformative part of these transformative experiences. I'm curious what your understanding of that is for yourselves, but also both of you are like lifting up so many others who've had transformative experiences. You have firsthand knowledge of how these experiences have changed lives. Let's talk about that transformation part. Ariel, let's start with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my experience started with a human 
you know, a human uh, experience that was very, uh, you know, that kind of set me spinning and turned me upside down and left me in, I say, in a heap on my bedroom floor and saying, what the hell has happened to me in my life? And, you know, some really deep pain, some real core wounding that I didn't even understand or realize just kind of, uh, you know, it's like the scabs got ripped off and, and I was kind of left laying there bleeding going, who am I? Like, I'm the strong sergeant in the Marine Corps. I'm the strong one. I'm the one who just, you know, I talk about, you know, picking yourself up by your bootstraps and brushing yourself off and moving on. And, and I was unable to do that. And what I realized was my roots in Catholicism and my religious faith was good, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough because it wasn't, I don't think, enough about me. It wasn't about who I really was. And when I was at my lowest point, I reached out. I said, I need help. And I reached out to the angels because I believed in angels, you know, through my religious background. And I reached out. I said, I need help. And not only did the angels come, uh, but the animal, the understanding of what had been happening with the animals started really coming in these beautiful mystical experiences I started having. And then I started studying to understand more. And when we talk about the transformative journey, everything changed, everything changed. And I won't tell you, like, I just, everything was wonderful and rainbows and unicorns and, you know, my life is great. You know, it's still, you know, we're all on a journey and it's life. But what changed was my unquestioning, unknowing appreciation for the grace that is all around us, for the realization that, that the idea that love is truly unconditional. And when, you know, when you say being held in the arms of the angels or being touched by the hand of the divine, that that is a really real phenomenon. It doesn't just sound good or feel good. And that, that connection is so deep and so present and so available on so many levels to everyone. And that's what I think really changed me because I wanted, I want everyone to feel that. And it doesn't mean there aren't some tough days and it doesn't mean there aren't some challenges or opportunities, but it means that we are part of something so magical, so profound, so almost the mystery. You know, I talk about the mystery of our souls, that the power of story, the coupling of the story and the wisdom and the power of story allows us to deepen into the mystery of our souls. The mystery is, it's everything. It's everything. And, and that I believe is what, is what will help change the world. And I apologize if I'm stuttering at all. It's just that the emotion of it, if you just take a moment and you just allow the presence to, to touch the presence of what we really are a part of, it is magnificent. And this world is magnificent if we will just allow it. That's beautiful. And I'm just sensing a lot of your language is, is beautiful and poetic. And this shift for you in that transformation um, sounds like a shifting of, of your center of control, your power from, from external to internal. Something happened with the mystery and, and the mystical that opened something 
from the inside out, it seems like, as I'm listening to you. Is that fair, Ariel? There's a deeper well that I can go to now. I will talk to the trees. I receive great insight from trees and love from certain tree beings. I communicate with the stone beings. I, they're wonderful. The depth and the wisdom and the love that comes from the stone faces that are here. The water, I live by a river now. The emotion that comes from the movement of the water and the communication from the water can bring me to tears every morning when I watch the sun come up over it. And it's that larger connection, you know, that all things connected, everything that, that your show is about and that you and Paul understand that creates a deeper well for us to, to draw from, for us to, to just be from. So is it always perfect? Is it always the internal versus the external? It's a journey. It's a process. We're all expanding in different ways and in on different days, maybe a little bit better than the day before, but it creates that connection that we can help draw from and, and give back to. I think it's very important if anyone takes anything from what I am saying today, I would say that it is a connection and a communication and it's two ways. It is important that it is not just about us receiving so that we're better and that we have a better life or we're more joyful or we're, we, you know, we, 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 I, I, I. It is a communication and a connection with all that is and that thread that we're a part of something greater and that our reason for getting out of bed and for doing what we do in the morning is, is for personal and then also for the greater collective that we are, we are giving back and we are, we are contributing in a positive way because of the magnificence of all that is. I love that. And thank you for expanding on that so that it wasn't just the deeper well within that something shifted here, but it is that relational piece that's so important that we're a part of this greater whole. I loved that perspective. Thanks for bringing that in. And Paul, I'm I'm wondering what's on your mind listening to Ariel, but also the the question that I poised here in the field was about your own transformation with these sacred stories and the mystical experiences. So uh, I'd love to invite you in here. Well, Ariel, what you said I found so very, very poignant. And for me, also a testimony of what we've been speaking about so far, that when a human being shares their deeply mystical, transformative experiences, it transforms those who are listening. It certainly had a deep effect on me. So I thank you for that. And, and I thought you, you shared it and explained it so beautifully, just the, prof the profundity of what, what we experience and have when we start delving into our own divine nature. And that we can then, when we share that, it spills out uh, to others. And I, I experienced that too through the book. Because in the interviewing the scientist, they opened up to me about their transpersonal experiences, metaphysical, mystical. That had an experience on me that was transformative on multiple levels. And also the beauty was, particularly for those scientists who had not 
in the past had the opportunity to speak about these things. It was healing and um, opening for them as well. And it's led since then, and some of them have reached out to me. It's helped them on their path, so to speak, because they then had permission within themselves by speaking with me and perhaps to others since then. And it's just opening them up. It's a kind of an iterative thing. And that's beautiful. And as far as the nature of my own mystical experiences, honestly, I don't think I could put them in words as beautifully and heartfelt as you uh, described it, Ariel. Yes, I've, I've had those during the course of my life and made me into a completely different human being than I was prior to that. And it's also a, a guiding light for me for, for moment to moment and day to day since then. It's ongoingly so. You know what I find so fascinating? Can I just jump in? Because I just, I think what is so, I think the question is, you know, we were sharing with the feeling or the assumption that we have to prove these to be true because we haven't openly been able to share our stories. We started with that conversation, right? You know, why, why is it time or why is it important? And, it, and it's, we said, you know, we haven't been sharing, but, but our innate essence, our divinity, I mean, we've known for eons and, and ancient history and the indigenous people show us that this is all, this is all true. So what's fascinating to me is really the, you know, the, there's another question here. It's kind of like the elephant in the room, right? Like, why do we have to try to prove any of this is real. Why do we have to, you know, validate or try to get people to understand or open up? You know, we've been so closed down for so long that we are now at the point that that question is a valid question. Instead of it just being, instead of the the magic and the mystery, we can feel it. People can feel it. They feel what they feel like in nature. They know when grace moves through them. You know, I mean, I would say that if most people could probably recall at least one time in their life where there's a synchronicity or there's a sign that is just so compelling that they know it can't be coincidence, but it happens over and over and over again because we've been told that that's just too good to be true or that can't be real. And what's really fascinating, I will tell you, I spent this morning um, the 13th book in our Common Sentience book series, I'll, I'll make an uh, advance announcement, will be called God Talk. And it's being written by Neil Donald Walsh, who is the author of the Conversations with God series. And God is the divine, the universe. He he switches pronouns, he, she, in the book and so forth. You know, I've read the draft of part one today, and I spent my morning in complete joy reading this book because it is brilliant and beautiful and funny and heartwarming. And I'm just over the moon that this will be part of the Common Sentient series. But in the book, Neil poses the question, if God can't be too good to be true, who can? And I was so struck by that, you know, I mean, it really opens that conversation, right? It really says like, we're talking about a presence that we're a part of. We're talking about a presence greater than us. We're talking about the universe, a higher power, the 
nature, whatever name we want to give it, God or goddess, or it's all, you know, it's all or our, our own divine nature. If that can't be magical and mystical and beautiful and magnificent, then what can, what can? I think the question is, why are we even questioning it? Honestly, that's really my question. Why are we even questioning it? It's just so, so obvious on so many levels when we feel, when we take a moment and allow to feel it, ourselves to feel it. It is a very curious phenomenon as I reflect upon it, because anyone who has had deeply mystical experiences, it's so utterly self-evident that, at least from my point of view and others, there's absolutely no doubt whatsoever. And yet, we will go out and speak with them as if we're looking for a little validation. What does that tell us about ourselves? Well, in one way, we're, we're all socialized to seek information and, and really in somewhat authority from outside of ourselves, from other people. Uh, Julie, you shared earlier, you were having mystical experiences. You went to some religious folks that you knew to speak about it and, and, and to get some support and so forth. I think that's a natural orientation, sometimes to get validation, but other times just simply to share for the beauty of what unfolds from that, which we've spoken about already. I hope that as this continues, there'll be less and less of that, where people just have that great inner sovereignty and self-assuredness that they're not speaking and looking for the reality of this from anyone else other than the deep knowing of its own reality. As I listen to both of you, I'm seeing the the evolution of consciousness in real time and understanding where humanity literally put itself constricted into this box of the illusion of separation. And you know, science helped us and the split with science and spirituality. We've talked about that, but I, I'm just seeing that as as humans see the see everything as separate and live in that illusion, we speak about it as if we're trying to prove it, right? It's like we're trying to wake those up who haven't had that experience or who haven't, don't see the illusion. They're in it, you know? And then there are those who have had these experiences. And Ariel, your response to that question earlier was gorgeous because it's more than the transformation in you was more than just the, I'm going to use your words, it was more than a flash of truth or a taste of grace that moves through you. It was the beginning of a relationship with the universe. It was the beginning of an intimate, ongoing conversation and dialogue with all that is for you. It was you being in that unitive field and understanding all things connected. So it was like listening to both of you is exciting because you can see that split in humanity and our human development, the evolution of consciousness as we move from the illusion of separation into the true nature of reality. We're just there. We don't have to prove it anymore. And those, so the importance of these stories, I'm going to bring in another layer here as we imagine a world where these stories are just shared so openly is there's this experience of these sacred stories. The more they're shared, the more it piques the curiosity of those who may have not been open to that experience or may have not tuned in 
to the divine all around them, you know, and, and have been in this state of separation. So it's an exciting answer to that question. Again, why do, why do we have these experiences? It's, it's another layer of that of as we share them, it really opens the field for others to have curiosity, to open themselves, to say, talk to trees. Like maybe I could talk or remember, oh, as a child, I did that. I used to go outside and talk to the rocks and the trees, you know, so it, so there's something important about sharing our stories that I think is part of the synergy engine for waking humanity to this higher level of consciousness. It's an important part of our collective story, I think. Julie, I so appreciated what you just said, and it reminded me uh, what Ariel, you said a little bit earlier, and you said that the your interaction with animals, they they help wake us up. And Julie, you were just speaking about how us sharing our stories with each other, it does help us, each of us, wake each other up. And that, that's such a beautiful phenomenon. It, it helps me understand more that there's an opportunity for a person to wake up under multiple circumstances at any place, at any time. And we just have to keep our openness, an open mind and an open heart, uh, when those signals and those uh, stories are coming to us, those impulses. So Ariel, we were talking about our stories waking us up, and maybe you could create a bridge to the myriad ways of these stories um, coming from there. That, But this is an opportunity for our stories to wake us. You know, something that I think is really also important to our conversation is that the Common, Common Sentience is a book series, and every book is on a different, very specific spiritual phenomenon that you had mentioned earlier, Julie, you had alluded to angels, animals, we have meditation, sound, the Akash. We have, as I mentioned, 13 currently in the series. And this is very purposely set up this way because not only is every phenomenon different in a variety of ways, and it's important that the wisdom from the wisdom keeper frames the topic. So people, I think it's important they have an understanding of what this is, but people connect in different ways. People resonate with different, different topics. Some people connect through meditation. Some connect with the animals. Some connect with the trees. Some connect. We have a book, a book coming out titled Witch. Some connect through the, the power of the, the um, goddess of the earth is how I think of the witch. So, it's important that that is also acknowledged and there's not judgment on, you know, well, my way is better than your way, or there's only one way to connect to the divine. We're very different beings. I believe we come from different parts of the universe. You know, we're, we're, we're innately so different from each other, even though we're all currently part of humanity. And not only giving people permission to speak about their mystical experiences, to open to the possibility that they might be able to have a mystical experience when they read about others and the wisdom, but to have the opportunity to say, yes, I connect with angels and pick up the angels book, but then say, wow, that was really interesting. What's this over here? What is this about animals? Or how does how is nature mystical? Or what is this thing called the Akasha? And have available to them in, in a way that is 
honoring and safe and also a voice of the collective. There's not, there's the main author who is the wisdom keeper and is the author of the book, but we've brought in the voices of the collective of people from around the world who have experienced these phenomenons. And so people are not only in good company, but it is creating a framework that they can move safely within and explore or open to where their heart or their soul is, is calling them. And that's why it was important that this was a book series. And that's why it was important that every topic was very different or a different wisdom keeper and explained very specifically so that people could find their openings. People could find their connections and many have more than one. And and so I just want to acknowledge that because the last thing that I would want to happen in the world of spirituality. We talked in the beginning, I mentioned how, you know, everybody was in their own lane. You know, we want to take down those borders. We want to open up the playground and we want all aspects of the divine and all ways that people connect to be honored, to be supported and, and for people to feel safe in doing so. Beautifully said, Ariel. Thank you for bringing that in. I think it is really important for us to to really value our diversity mm-hmm. in this way. And spiritual diversity is just as important as as skin color and nationality and religion. So as you were talking about breaking down those borders, a hawk flew by my window mm-hmm. right outside here. So I think that is an important part as we look at that we resonate with different people, different experiences. And, you know, some are real galactic and some are real earthy. And, you know, it's just like, that's the beauty of the human condition, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's just really beautiful. Paul, I'm wondering if you have any last piece for Ariel before I ask her to tap into the interview for just a second. So I'm going to turn this to you if there's a question or a comment that hasn't been made yet that you really want to make sure we do. Well, just a brief comment on what Ariel, what you were just speaking about, the idea that, yes, there's such a diversity of uh, dimensions and paths uh, to each person's divinity. Uh, historically, yes, there's been judgment around that. And I'm pleased to say that, yes, I see less and less judgment around these things. Uh, judgment, a scientist friend of mine said, judgment is observation without love. And I thought that was a beautiful insight. So whenever we're judging anything or anyone, we are perceiving and interacting with them without the state of love in our heart and our perception. And I see more and more of that falling away. And that's been a beautiful change in the dimension of our lives also. Thank you, Paul. Ariel, we have a segment called the inner view instead of the interview here. And I'm wondering if you can just take a few deep breaths go within connecting. You used the the language earlier, higher power, inner power, all that is, and you're good at this. Where these, this inner power, higher power, where our collective sacred stories are written and share with our listeners, what's really important for them to know right now, when we're talking about these mystical experiences and sacred stories from that place of the interview, what, what wants to be said as we close the show today? Be comfortable 
in your uncomfortableness, that opening your heart, opening your soul, opening to a connection to something greater than yourself can sometimes feel uncomfortable. It can sometimes go against maybe what your what you were taught in childhood or what your family traditions or values may be. I know when I first started hearing the term goddess, mother, father, God, I was uncomfortable. That didn't feel right to me. I was questioning if I was, you know, going to burn in hell or if that was blasphemous for me to say mother God. And, um, and I know I'm not the only one. So it is the journey is beautiful and magical and beyond really what words can describe and it can be uncomfortable and that's okay too because i would just ask people when you're feeling uncomfortable with something to ask yourself why what is it that is making you uncomfortable and what if that wasn't true what if what you were believing was possibly not true what if there was something more? And if you could just allow, allow for that to see what would happen. So I will leave you with to become comfortable in your uncomfortableness. The journey is magnificent. Beautiful. I see Paul smiling wide too. What great words. Be comfortable yep. with your uncomfortableness. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you, Ariel, for joining us today. This was so delightful, and I am really just honored and touched that we that you've brought this body of work forward, and we get to play with it on this playground. It's just, it's it's so inspiring and delightful. I'm I'm just loving it. Thank you so much for you following your sacred story and, and really tapping in to bring this body of work forward. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Paul. Thank you both for, for feeling, feeling the vision, feeling, feeling the deeper importance of this work and for, for having this series. Thank you both. Yeah. Thank you. And listeners, I want to leave you with the words from the common sentience book series. We've all had them those mystical glimpses into the consciousness beyond our five senses. In a sacred moment, a flash of truth or a taste of grace moves through us. Our world expands and something is revealed, illumined, felt. We go back to our daily lives, yet something essential has changed. I'm Julie Kroll. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected with co-host Paul Mills and the Main Street Mystic Series. Remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. If you enjoyed the show, go to your favorite podcast platform. Remember to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Also, Please consider supporting The Dr. Julie Show at patreon.com backslash all things connected. When we each give a little, we all get a little more. You can stay in touch with me at juliecrawlemail.com. Thanks for listening.